Hello, and welcome to Crafty Hands Club Magazine Podcast. I'm your host, Carice Jefferson. This podcast is for crafters of all ages and walks of life who love connecting with other crafters, making crafts a lifestyle, or ready to turn their crafts into a profitable side business. Tune in weekly for honest conversations and interviews about industry news, trends, lifestyle, and business. Hey, Craft Cuties. Welcome to this week's episode of Crafty Hands Club Magazine Podcast. In the meantime, don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle is Crafty Hands Club Mag. Also, take a screenshot of today's episode that you're listening to and share it on your social media page as well. Don't forget to tag Crafty Hands Club Mag using hashtag CHC Podcast. Today, we have an incredible guest. I really want to say she doesn't need any introduction, but I'm going to introduce her anyway. She is based in Arizona. She is a wife, a mom. She's a serious crafter. She's an author a blogger. She's about the crafty lifestyle. She does all things craft related. She has been featured in various magazine publications. She has appeared on various podcasts and has spoken on various panels about things craft related. And also, she had a chance to be invited to the White House, where she could talk about none other than craft. Ladies and gentlemen, today's guest, she is known as the Crafty Chica, and she is Mrs. Kathy Cano Murillo. Hey, Kathy! Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, not a problem. Kathy, you have just been inspiring to so many people and you just have this energy about you that it just connects to other people. You make us feel like we just have known you for a long, long time. Oh, thank you. I just, I love to make things. I love to make things and give them away or share them or get other people inspired to make things. And I think a lot of us out there feel the same way. So it's it's fun to connect with people. That's true. I was a Girl Scout growing up and in order to get the badges, you had to do some type of craft project. And whenever I would be finished with a project, I would try to get other people excited <laughs> to finish their mm-hmm. craft project. And then I would share that same amount of joy and energy when I would take it home and share it with my parents, if I made them something or if I made something for just myself or made something as a holiday gift. So I definitely get what you said, but Kathy, how did you get started into crafts? Cause like it just oozes out of you. Like, (laughs) Oh, thank you. You know, I have just always been, I guess you would call it hyper creative. I'm a middle child, left-handed Sagittarian. (laughs) So I'm a storyteller in all forms. And I just always grew up as the one who loved to mix and match jewelry and clothing and to wear the red shoes with the purple dress. And my mom would be like, what are you doing? And I'm like, this makes total sense. Give me the green earrings and it's an outfit. (laughs) So, and that's when I was little, that's when I was in grade school and it just always stuck with me. I, I just always loved to make things. And it wasn't until probably in my early twenties that I made some earrings and I took them to a a store and the owner bought them to sell in the store and some uh, like a light bulb went off where I thought, oh my gosh, I can make money by selling the things that I love to make. And that Mm -hmm. changed my whole life. After that, I just, it wasn't always so much about crafting to make money, but it was about doing what I love 
and making money at it. So it went into writing, it went into crafting and creating and painting and music. You know, my husband is, has a Chicano reggae band, so I would book concerts. And so I just always have been living the creative life in any way, shape or form. So what I heard is that you embrace your individuality and that do you think that just attribute to you being the middle child or just your personality period like okay I like my colors I like who I am and I'm just going to you know be creative and stand out I think it's all of that I think there were a lot of factors looking back you know I'm third generation Mexican American And I went to a school where there were not many other kids who looked like me. And it Mm -hmm. was like this invisible thing that nobody talked about, but I knew I was different. And being a little kid, I didn't quite know how to process that or put my finger on it of what it was that made me different, except that my hair wouldn't feather like everybody else's hair would (laughs) feather. And just different things like that. And, and something about making things and sharing them with everybody, I felt broke the ice and, and made people accept me. And also writing stories. I loved to write little essays and read them out loud to the class. And whenever <laughs> I would make something and share it or read a story out loud, And I saw the light in people's eyes, the way that it made them feel. That was such a universal feeling, a universal connection that, you know, surpassed my upbringing or my skin color or my curly hair, any of that. It just, I loved that feeling. And I just kind of anchored it as a child of like, wow, I love this feeling. This is what I want to do more of. And I didn't quite know what I was doing back then, but as I grew older, I just always aimed to have that feeling. And I loved working for the school newspaper and writing articles on different bands or different artists and having their face light up when they saw that I acknowledged and featured their work. And it just kind of evolved from there. So yes, it definitely was a way to make me stand out. And being a middle child also, you know, I had the classic, you know, older brother who was super smart and got all the good grades. And my sister was 10 years younger and she was the cute one. And I was just kind of in there in the middle and and I'm like, okay, so I'm just kind of doing my own thing over here. (laughs) So I'm going to wear these, you know, these glittered earrings and stand out like notice me. So it just kind of all rolled together. Wow. Now, Kathy, I know you started crafts when when you were a kid. How old were you and what was your first, what was the very first thing that you made? I think as a child, it wasn't, my creativity wasn't so much making things as it was writing stories because my, my family, my dad was very artistic, but he was always into working a full-time job for the family. And my mom is not crafty at all. So I didn't really have an outlet to do crafts. However, I was able to do writing and write stories. But I remember in high school, I took a crafts class and I absolutely loved it. And the very first project I remember was this latch hook rug. And I got a low grade on it because I did not follow any of the patterns that we were supposed to do. I drew my own pattern and did my own version of a rug. And I remember my teacher, Mr. Schlenker, (laughs) that was his name. He said, you know, well, I can't give you full credit for this because you didn't follow the rules. And I remember telling him, it's okay. I will take the lower grade because I love how it turned out and I want to hang it up in my bedroom. (laughs) So that was the first project that really stuck with me. And it was like that for the whole semester. Like I recently found my report card from high school for crafts class and it was a C all the way across. And it was because 
I didn't like the patterns that they gave us. And so that's why I just, you know, I went with my own version and I just thought it is what it is. So I will take the lower grade so that I can enjoy this as it should be, right? This is funny (laughs) because here's the thing, Kathy. Growing up, I was the creative child, okay, in the traditional school setting. So imagine how that went. And sometimes I'd be like, oh, I didn't want to do this. I want to do it that way. And whereas most kids will feel bad because they got a lower grade, you embraced it and said, well, okay, (laughs) give me the lower grade, but I still like what I like. Right. Yes. And you know, it's, that's just how it was. Like I even remember in ceramics making something and the kid, I was experimenting with the glazes and one of the kids next to me said, that is ugly because I was mixing the glazes and it came out beautiful. And he just, you know, because we've been so conditioned or at least at that time growing up, like red is red, green is green, blue is blue. And it, you just had to follow the rules and color within the lines. And if you Mm -hmm. didn't, it was like you were doing something wrong or it's ugly or, and I learned back then just to be like, I didn't listen to him. Like it stayed in the back of my mind, but I still was like, well, I'm the one that's going to end up with this. So I'm just going to go forward because I like it. And I've always kept that vibe with everything that I do, because I know even to this day, I've made thousands of things, but none of them are absolutely perfect. And that's okay, Mm -hmm. because I love it. I'm proud of it. And not all the time is it in the finishing of the product. Sometimes it's just the feeling that you got as you were being creative and making. Yes. And you know why? Because this is one of my novels that I wrote, Waking Up in the Land of Glitter. I explored (laughs) what is it that pushes us to create, to craft? It's emotion. Like we make things either to express ourselves or to show love for someone or to show someone that we're thinking of them or as a way to build community. There's Mm -hmm. so many emotions that we don't, we're not robots where we just sit down and create something. There's a lot of energy and spirit that goes into the projects that we make. And that is priceless. Yes, it is. I am so glad that you said that. I couldn't have said it a better way myself. Now, Kathy, for parents that have a kid that's very crafty, very creative, Mm -hmm. and they may not be into the traditional way of learning or Mm -hmm. their coloring outside the line. What advice would you give that parent? Because sometimes parents embrace individuality, but at the same time, want their kids to kind of stay within the lines. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that I think it's a good idea to really pay attention to what they're into. And for example, my daughter, she's very creative, but she just wasn't into crafting. However, she was into doodling. So I made sure that she always had access to journals and pens, things where she could just sit down and draw and do what she loved to do. I never try to force anything on her. And it's so funny because even as a teenager, her part-time job was a craft blogger and she didn't like doing crafts. So I always had to help her (laughs) with her crafts, but making sure that it was something that she would, you know, like to do. But I think the, the best gift that a parent can give to their creative child is to really listen to them and pay attention to what they're into. And don't try to force anything on them. And I think also, you know, don't buy into the thing where you have to buy all of these expensive supplies for them. The best creativity can start with a set of markers or a set of crayons and paper. 
and let them get the their personality out by drawing and doodling and doing lettering and and let their imagination go from there. It's like the cardboard box thing. You know, you could have the most expensive toys, but kids always go back to the cardboard box because it can <laughs> yeah. be anything you want it to be. So mm-hmm. I think just, you know, going easy with it, just listening to them and incorporating creativity into everyday life and, and not where every breakfast has to be like a beautiful, happy face meal, you know. But just kind of like getting them used to having all the different colors around them and paying attention to what colors they like. And, you know, I think that helps along the way as they're growing up also, if you're in tune with that. Now, Kathy, because you were so creative and sometimes it's a tough bridge to cross from the creative to taking it to a business. So mm-hmm. at, what, at what point did you say, okay, it's time to make this a business or this yes. needs to be a business? Talk about that a little bit. I love that you asked this question because my husband is an artist also. When we first got married, which was like 30 years ago, on our wedding night, we vowed to make a living from art, music, and writing. And it's been 30 years and we have done that. However, it wasn't until a few years ago that we changed our mindset because for so long, we just naturally assumed that because we were working creatives, that it was always going to be a struggle, that people would not value our work. And, you know, we raised our family doing art and everything, but it wasn't until about, I don't know, maybe five years ago that I had a couple things happen in my life that taught me to change my way of thinking when it came to money. And even though we had been making a living at it, now we're thriving because I put away that struggle mindset and I put on the mindset to be a businesswoman. And I see other people out there doing it. And I'm like, yes, we can do that too. So now I am so hyper aware of all of our money, our projections, we set financial goals, and you would be surprised how successful you can make a craft business. If you really put on your business hat and set those goals and build strategies for it and don't just wing it, you know, even if it's a part-time thing that you do. You don't just make up a bunch of stuff and, oh, I hope something sells or, oh, I hope we sell out of all of these. No, what you want to do is say, okay, I'm doing this show this weekend. I have a thousand dollars worth of inventory. I want to have a 75% sell through so that it will get me this much money. And then I'm going to take a portion of that. I'm going to put it in savings. The rest, this much, I'm going to put reinvest back into more supplies from my best sellers because that's what people want are the best sellers. So you Mm -hmm. you build a strategy around it and then you can fly. And I think it's time we change the perception that it's always a struggle game or that we're surprised that we had a good show or that we sold out of our products. We should not be surprised. We should be proud and say, I planned for success. Of yes. course we did good because I did all of the back end research to know which ones would sell, which ones people like, which ones are unique and innovative and still fit whatever trends are going on. And yes, of course I made I did good at this show. So changing the mindset to a success mindset rather than a struggle mindset made a huge difference to make it a thriving business. I'm so glad you talked about that because that is one thing that I always talk about in blogs or um, videos and even some of the podcast episodes where I tell other crafters, it doesn't have to be struggling. Don't expect for people to be expecting your stuff to be cheap. You know, you Mm -hmm. you go places and you expect people to pay you for value. You know, don't expect to be price hackled, you know, like. It's just a shame how mindset can really just cripple you if Mm -hmm. you're not careful. And, you know, for you, it took you, you know, a couple decades to get to this point to say, hey, you know what? 
I need to treat this as a business. But Kathy, you are definitely in a total different mindset now. Yes, it makes a huge difference. And now I love to shout it from the rooftops because, you know, you can do your research, like go visit local boutiques in your city, look online at different shops of the different categories that you sell see what they're selling things for. And the the biggest thing is to make sure that your products that you sell are innovative and have your own signature touch on them. Because we all see a lot of people making the same stuff. And there's a difference between if you want to be a merchant and just sell items, or if you want to be a designer and build a brand with your designs. That is the route that I took where I thought I want to be known as where someone can look at something and say, wow, that is a crafty chica mug. And (laughs) I love it when people do that, where they go, oh, that is so crafty chica, as opposed to, you know, oh, my sister made the same thing, you know? Right. (laughs) So it's it's good. And both of them are fine. You know, some people, they want to be a merchant where they're, it's a business and they're curating and selling. They they know what works. And then other people want to be like a designer or an artist. So decide which one that you want to be, but no matter what, do your best to be innovative, to give it your own signature touch. You already had those skills too. So I could see you, you know, more on the design end than on the merchant end. And let's talk about the opportunities that you mm-hmm. have gotten uh, being in business. How how did those come along? Like, did someone call you and say, Kathy, we've been seeing your work. We would like for you to visit or be a part of this event? Yes. Okay. So I will tell you exactly how these opportunities came. They all came from me being consistent. I have a website, craftychica.com. And this year it's 20 years old. I started it at nighttime. I was working a full-time job as a newspaper writer. And after the kids were in bed and my husband was in bed and their homework was done and the house was quiet. I worked on my website every night, whether if it was writing or uploading things that I made to sell. And I always made sure to have fresh content on my website Mm -hmm. because I knew that my goal was I wanted Crafty Chica to be a national brand. I wanted it to be in national magazines, in national store chains. So I I went and I looked at sites like Oprah, JLo, Tyra, Martha, and (laughs) I said, how can I do my own version of what they're doing? And Mm -hmm. I saw that they had different categories like um, book and merchandise and then articles to read and workshops and retreats. So I did all those categories too under my Crafty Chica brand. And then when social media came about, it, it allowed me to build community on all of these different platforms. What my goal was, was say like my new greeting card line just shipped to stores all around the country this week. And my goal was, thank you so much. And, and my goal was that if say this guy who's in charge of hiring people to design greeting cards anyone to go to my website and look at it and say, I want to work with her. Oh my gosh. Uh, Yes. I want to work with her so that they would look at my Instagram feed and say, I want to work with her. Or they'd look at my LinkedIn and say, I want to work with her. So I, it's also like kind of manifesting. Also, I just curated everything to be inspiring for people to read, to inspire them to create. And also for it to be noticed by people, decision makers in these different areas of products. So if you want to go down this route, I would say the best thing you could do is build a strong website that has strong branding. Make sure your face is there so they can connect you 
do video, talk to people, share your ideas. If it's greeting cards that you want, then create greeting cards and put them out there and go down that route. So that's really how the opportunities came. And it's never been a situation where I've had to go out and pursue. It's always been, they have come to me. So I don't know if you've heard that quote, I don't chase, I attract. That has always been my thing where even (laughs) though I didn't specifically use those words, that was my mindset where I thought I just, if they could just come to any of my platforms to find me and say, wow, she looks like she's having so much fun. I want to work with her. And that's how it, that's how it all happened. You said a lot right there because consistency is the key. Yes, consistency. Yes. Mm -hmm. If you want to have any good results, just be consistent. And that's something that I practice too, you know, with the magazine. I make sure something new is on the website Mm -hmm. weekly. Yes, exactly. You know, it's a balance of of like paying attention to what people love, like check your engagement of what they respond to the most and give them more of that in your own way that you enjoy doing. So Mm -hmm. for example, tie-dye is so huge in the summer. So I always make sure every summer to have new tie-dye projects. And just on the reel, I had a major tie-dye fail today. So, oh. you know, it's, it's not always sunshine and roses. No, it's not. <laughs> oh, I wasted like $30 worth of dye and all, you know, a couple hours of my time because I used microfiber beach towels. They were not 100% cotton and they didn't take the dye. And that is a rookie mistake. I should have known to check the tags, but mm. I was just, you know, you get in that multitasking mode and Mm -hmm. I did not read the tags and then today I was so excited for the big reveal and (laughs) it all rinsed out (laughs) but you know what I'm gonna blog about it it's a blog post because I can tell people oh my gosh look what happened Mm -hmm. this is what not to do with (laughs) tie-dye and it makes you so relatable to people Kathy that's that's that goes into what I had said earlier about you because People see that and say, hey, you know what? She was excited. She, you know, had mm-hmm. it all planned out and, you know, something always goes wrong. And yes. it's like that, like really 95% of the time it's not going to come out the way you envision. You just never know. You never know. <laughs> and I did so many tie-dye projects every yeah. summer. I could tie-dye with my eyes closed. And it just was, you know, it's, it's humbling. It is so humbling. And it's so funny because today I'm like, oh, my greeting cards came out, dusting off my shoulders. And then I had a major craft fail. <laughs> so I'm it like, happens. okay, Lord, yep. I hear you. I'm staying mm-hmm. humble. <laughs> mm-hmm. Stay humble. Yes. Now, another thing that I love about you, Kathy, is that you're very proud of your Mexican heritage and this in all, almost all of your crafts, like some kind of way I see either the color combination mm-hmm. or it's a pattern. And, and a lot of times you, you like to work the Frida Kylo mm-hmm. style into your work. And now you're a third generation Mexican-American and you said your mother was not a crafter. And one of the things that I've I've seen in Latin families, and this is not all Latino families, I've seen crowds be in generations like great-grandma, mm-hmm. grandma. As a Latin woman, do you think that still goes on in 2021 or do you think it oh, has yes, vanished a lot? Okay. I think more than ever. Now, on my dad's side of the family, My great-grandparents were from Zacatecas, Mexico, and they, in addition to their full-time job, they had a a side business on the weekend where they made and sold woven baskets. And this was way back, my great-grandparents. And from there, my grandmother, she was like 
she sewed, she cooked, she could craft anything. And my dad, he could, he was working in resin at 16 years old. Like this is in the late 1950s. He did welding, he did ceramics, he did all different types of crafts. And it's really sad because after, it wasn't until after he passed away, he was 73 when he passed away, everyone started telling me these stories of all the things that he made and gave to people before he got married. Because once he got married, he switched into husband and father role where he got a full-time job at the city and it was all about the paycheck and you know working your way up and everything but before he got married he was an artist and such a creative like he even won these awards and there were newspaper articles about him the model cars that he built and I feel like he passed it on to me and with my career, he's always, he always was just so supportive of my career. Although in the beginning, he would say, you just need to do this at nights and on weekends and get a quote, real job during the week. But then once he saw the success with my company, then he was like very supportive. Like he felt like I was carrying the torch <laughs> for him and he just was always cheering me on. So it definitely comes from the Kano side of the family and my Kano cousins and my aunts, they're all super creative also. So we do have a lot of creative people in our family, definitely intergenerational, and we're all passing it along to our kids and they're, you know, doing it in their own way. There's been crafts, some crafts that's been, been around for centuries and then there are mm-hmm. new you know, being added to the mix, like there's over 200 different types of crafts. Right. So that's good that, you know, and I think that's how it should be. Like generation should try to take on one or two new ones in addition to the ones that they were taught. Yes. And pass those down. Yes. And then the next generation, you know, kind of, that's how you build. And you, you want to know the, the cutest story ever. So my, the, girl that my dad dated before he met my mom he made her this little resin piece where he hand carved a rose he made the resin and then he hand carved a rose and he put ink in it so the rose it looks like a real rose and last year I met her and she still had that piece and she gave it to me isn't oh my that gosh, so Kathy. It was like from the late 1950s and it's still, it looks so good. Like oh. he really built it to last. Mm-hmm. And she said that when my dad got married to my mom, she felt uncomfortable that she still had it. So she put it in her mom's curio cabinet. And then when her mom passed away, um, the family gave it back to her. And so she hid it because she didn't want to look, you know, my dad had, you know, this long marriage to my mom, happy marriage. (laughs) But after my dad had passed away, she thought that she was going, she had become ill and she didn't know she's still alive, but she thought she was like, Oh, I don't know how much longer. Here's a (laughs) gift from your father. (laughs) But it was so cute. And then I talked to my uncle's. And they told me that my dad remade it like three times until he got it perfect. And that is a side of my dad that I never knew. Like, I get it. That's where I get it from. (laughs) So our parents and our grandparents, they have these stories that we don't even know about. Kathy, that is such, like, you couldn't have even wrote that. And that's a that's a story in itself that could be written like a family generational crafts and I know. you know have I'm images of the people. I don't want to hurt my mom's feelings. I don't know what my mom would think about. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> did he make one of these for my mom? Like, I don't want to ask. You know, so I kind of have it like just in the house here. But oh, I'm so eager to write about it. <laughs> Yeah, that that would be kind of uncomfortable if he didn't do that. And she's like, why do you ask? You know, I know, I know, right? <laughs> I know you do 
a lot of crafts, probably anything from A to Z, right? So what is your favorite type of craft that you enjoyed the most? Oh my gosh. You know what? It's so hard to choose because it's more like whatever mood that I'm in. I'd say that um, I really love doing ceramics and doing like working with clay and doing hand-built mugs. But when I'm done doing ceramics, then I love to sew and and use fabrics or crochet. So it really kind of just, you know, I will go hard on one craft for a while. And then I'm like, okay, I don't need to do that again. For like last year, I made hundreds of masks, just sewing masks. And then I'm like, okay, it's been eight months. I'm ready to go to fabric again, <laughs> you know? So mm-hmm. it just kind of goes in phases, but I really, I love all of them. I'm kind of like that too. Like right now I'm just trying things because my main craft is jewelry making, mm-hmm. but I like so many other crafts. And right now I'm needle pointing and I bought a kit diamond painting and I bought a knitting oh, no an embroidery kit I bought it uh-huh. I bought an embroidery kit so those are projects that I'm going to be working on between now and the rest of the year and there are some other ones that I want to do too so I'm like you you know it's like it just depends on the mood <laughs> you right know, it's, it's, it's mm-hmm. not that one you do have a main one like like you said, ceramics is your main thing, but then to keep from overindulging or to keep from burning out, right? You say, okay, you gotta switch it me, up. Let me switch it up, or let me see if I can incorporate something with the ceramics too. Yes, yes. So and I love paper crafting, I love making cards. Those okay. are, I, I love doing paper crafting also, you know, like just making a stack of handmade cards. And then because I have my online store, every so often, like if people leave me a note, like, oh, hi, Crafty Chica, I'm so excited to receive my mug. I'm like, they're getting a handmade card too. <laughs> and I'll like <laughs> take one of the handmade cards and put it in their package for them. So yeah, I just love making them and giving them away or around the holidays or really it should be any time of the year just writing a happy note in there and doing a random act of kindness. You just never know who needs that little pick me up. Yeah. You just never know. And it's the little small things that just ask that special touch. Like, you know, a customer service, it don't take a lot, you know, it just uh-huh. take a, a, go a little bit extra and you'll be surprised at, you know, the results or the impact that you make. You had a once in a lifetime opportunity, which was to appear at the White House. Uh, yes. Talk about that a little bit. Well, it was in November of, I think, 2015. And it was just the tail end of President Obama's tenure. And they invited different influencers to go out there and meet with the health and human services department to talk about the affordable health care. And they knew as a working artist that that's what I had had. I think I had like talked about it in my social media. So they invited me and some other influencers to go to the White House and tell our stories about, you know, why we chose to use the health care program and what was happening was that they knew that once the new administration would come in, um, the chances of the affordable health care plan would be, they wouldn't be there to promote it. So they asked us to help promote it, to get people to sign up for it. So it was amazing because we got to tour all of the White House and sit in the meeting rooms and tell our stories and listen to their stories. And it was just a beautiful experience. And it was kind of somber because we knew, you know, the energy would be changing in a few months. And I just savored the moment there. It, it was really, really such an extraordinary opportunity to visit. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that was. And it's just good that you had the chance to get that experience and the opportunity, the fact that they looked at, okay, 
a artist and to give a, a perspective, mm-hmm. um, you know, pertaining to healthcare, yes. that's something that, that says a lot. Yeah. And yeah. at the time it was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh my gosh. And it was really exciting because um, the office where President Obama was, like, I forgot what the signal, if the flag was up, that meant he was in the office and the flag <laughs> was up and we're like, hi, <laughs> like waving, you know, so it was just really exciting to be there and to walk through those halls. So it was a field trip with extra perks. Gotcha. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, just a couple more questions. Um, we almost done. Now, uh, what advice would you have for people who are new to the craft, Mm -hmm. whether it's a business or a hobby? Well, I would say for them to identify what they want out of it. If it's going to be a hobby, then they say, you know, set a budget and explore what, what category is it that you want to make. And that way you can you know, price it out. And that way you you try not to go broke, like overspending on things, start small. And because sometimes it takes a few tries to get on the right path for it. So don't give up super early, you know, like try to follow through with something. And if it's for a business, you know, again, decide why you're doing it. Is it to make extra money? Is it to establish yourself as a, de- as a designer? And really know your end goal because a lot of people that I have met and I've experienced this too, they have a nine to five job and they're like, oh, I would love to do my art and crafts as my full-time job. And then they do it as their full-time job and it becomes work. And it takes the joy out of it because suddenly you don't have time to create new things because you have to keep making your best sellers because that's what's paying your bills. So you really need to make sure, you know, you choose the right path for it. And if you do want to leave a nine to five, make a plan and stock up on your merchandise, have a a solid plan of where and how you're going to sell it, how much you want to bring in, you know, have your money saved up. One thing that I see a lot of people do, like say they have a job and they go, okay, this is how much my paycheck is. So I need to make at least this much money in my crafts. Don't say that. What you're going to say is, okay, I say your paycheck is a thousand dollars. Instead of saying, I need to make at least a thousand dollars before, you know, so that I can quit my job, make your goal $2,000 Yeah, because you're leaving it, you're leaving it to thrive, you know? So don't just go for the minimum, like have faith in yourself that Mm -hmm. you have talent and you have creativity and you have the brain power to make it a successful business. So you say, okay. I'm, my new normal is going to be $2,000 instead of what I was getting $1,000 by working a nine to five. How do I get to $2,000? What do I have to make? How much do I have to make? Where do I sell it to get to $2,000? And mm-hmm. write it down, write down that path, make that plan. And that will save you a lot of agony <laughs> because I didn't do that. I, I started off saying, oh, I need to make at least this much. And then that was exactly what I got, what I asked for. And now I have learned to say, take that number. Now I triple it where I say, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to take this number and I'm going to triple it. And that's going to be my new normal. And it comes through if you make that plan and you really believe you can do it and you follow through with your action, you know, you can come through with it. And another one is less work, more money. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. one one comes later, like in the early days, I did a lot of hustling and I said yes to everything because I wanted to get my name out there. So I just really oversaturated everything so that I could, I became a regular on the scene. 
And that was really helpful, but it wasn't being naggy. I, I just made sure I always showed up with quality content so that people would look forward to seeing the new thing that I had because they knew it would be awesome. So I made sure to be consistent with that. So that's another thing is, is to be consistent and um, just really nail down what it is you want to do and why you want to do it and what your end goal, what you want out of it. Do you want to only do it for six months? Do you want to do it for a lifetime? You, you know, do you want to try it first? Do those things instead of just winging it. That is something that was good advice. I mean, if I would have listened to that years ago, mm -hmm. it would have saved me a lot of time and a lot of trouble. And yes. also what I want to add on to that is ask yourself before you leave a job, because not all the time is it meant for you to quit your job just right, to go right. into business. Sometimes it's just a good supplemental income, exactly. you know, yes. and, and, and then if it's a workplace issue, it's just time to change the environment, you know, not yes. necessarily say working for somebody isn't for me because running a business is not for everybody either. Um, and, yes. and the one question that you want to ask yourself is, can I afford medical insurance? Can I, can I pay medical bills on my own? Mm -hmm. or do I need right. You know, like if your job got good insurance coverage that covers 80, 90, 100%, they'll try to leave that too soon. <laughs> Right. Exactly. You got a kid, you know, if you yes. got kids, you know, don't don't do that too soon. Make mm -hmm. sure you're pulling in, you know, thousands each month right. on a consistent basis for, you know, a year or two and then say, you know what, okay, I can afford medical insurance on my own right. because I'm bringing in 10 grand or 15 grand per month. Right. And you know, another thing this is the not so fun part, but it's, it's a real thing when it comes to your craft area, keep it organized, elevate yourself to be a designer, a business person. And the more disorganized you are with your supplies, the more you will spend unnecessary money on buying more supplies because yes. you may already have what you go buy at the store. Mm -hmm. Use what you have, turn that into profit and then buy the other stuff. And what I always, every night, no matter what I make, I make sure that I clean my work area. So in the morning, when I go in, I have a fresh table to start with. And I tell myself, I am a businesswoman. I'm a designer. I want to keep this clean. I want to respect my business, my time, my money. And I guarantee if you get in that kind of mind space, it will help your business overall. My mother-in-law, she would always say, the state of your room is the state of your life. Mm -hmm. And so I say the state of your craft room is the state of your craft business. <laughs> so if it's all messy and unorganized, that's what your craft business is going to be like. So do your best to, to keep it organized where you feel proud of it and you feel like you can exhale like, oh, I, I love my workspace. That's a good point. Yeah, you you have to respect the space that you're being productive in. And you will be buying stuff willy-nilly because you're not keeping track of it. So you've been in the craft business for decades. And you've seen a lot of things come and go within the craft industry. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is, Kathy, what would you like to see uh, happening in the craft industry because there's always room for improvement. I don't know if you heard the news how AFCI, it was like the where they would have the, the National Craft Convention every year. Mm -hmm. They're going, they went out of business. It, they just announced it yesterday. That, oh my goodness. Um, yes, they are, they got acquired by a larger company and it's just sad because for decades, that craft convention was so amazing 
because it would have all the manufacturers and the designers and the retailers would all come together. And I really wish that we could have some other kind of in-person platform industry event that would honor the creative professionals. And, you know, it was called Creativation. Before that, it was called Mm -hmm. um, the Craft and Hobby Association. Mm-hmm. And I remember it, there were like thousands of people who would go and book publishers and Martha Stewart was the keynote speaker and Paris Hilton debuted her scrapbooking line. It's gone now. It went out of business because the organization, even though their hearts were in the right places, I don't feel like they totally read the room of what was going on in the, in the creative world of, because crafting is bigger than ever. Mm-hmm. And I, I really wish that we had some other kind of trade industry show that could start up and, and honor, you know, the creative professionals for, for crafters. That's my dream wish. That would be nice. And not, not just on a large scale, but, you know, it's so many everyday crafters that just mm-hmm. do amazing work, you know, like not everybody's trying to get the million followers, not everyone's right. trying yes. to you know, make the magazines. You just have people that just love it and they just do yes. really good, good work. You yes. Know? You know, support each other for sure. Definitely. If you have a family member, a friend, a coworker who is crafty, give them a pat on the back, look at their work, cheer them on, share the things that they make. If you are one of those people, you know, keep doing what you're doing. And even though sometimes people around us may not appreciate it, you know, going back to my, my teacher and craft class, stay the course. If it makes you happy and it brings you joy, do what you love to do to live your best life and be happy. And, and, you know, make those things, share those things and support each other. Because I I feel like the more that we pursue what makes us happy, it makes the world a better place because then we don't project, you know, negativity. We project happiness. (laughs) Yep. Energy is everything. Kathy, where can listeners find you? Social media, web pages, or do you have video channels? Oh, yes. So my website is craftychica.com. And then you can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, (laughs) all (laughs) under Crafty Chica. Wow. Kathy, I have definitely enjoyed this interview. And that is a wrap for this. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you enjoyed hearing these words of wisdom and these golden nuggets that Miss Kathy has dropped throughout this podcast interview, go ahead and share on social media. Don't forget to tag Crafty Hands Club Mag. Use hashtag CHC podcast and take a screenshot of today's episode that you are listening to. Thank you so much for tuning in. Come back next week.